What's good, y'all? My name is Jonathan Dumas, and this is the Real Talk with Dumas podcast, where I have real conversations with the people I see every day because we don't know what we miss until we miss them. And this week, I had a chance to chop it up with one of my really good friends, Warwick Runnels, aka St. War. I met Warwick at our old church where we led worship together. And yeah, I know some of y'all didn't know that. You know, your boy can sing. I got pipes, you know what I'm saying? Um, Anyways, I think we clicked as friends because we both were on the worship team. We both love music. But we mainly clicked because we were like one of four black people at that church. So it kind of like made sense to be friends because that's what black people do in predominantly white spaces. Anyways, Warwick a.k.a. St. War, is a singer, songwriter, and producer, and a really, really good one at that. You know, I would check him out. You know, War got some bangers. I was I was playing them in my office today when I was cleaning it. It was so good. Yo, along with his identity as a musician, War also identifies as queer, black, with a capital B, and an Enneagram 5. And in this conversation, we talk about all of those things. We talk about identity, we talk about black spirituality, faith deconstruction, what we even miss about the church and why we still will not go back and have no desire to go back. But we also take an unusual amount of time to cast a lot of shade at Chick-fil-A. I really appreciate this conversation. You know, faith deconstruction is so hard, so difficult, but I think the way that work has approached it, for those who are just starting it or are still in the midst of it, it really brings like a level of peace because he just takes his time and really... um, talks about it from just like a a really grounded space. So I really appreciate this conversation. I hope and know you will too. All right, y'all, here's Warwick. So Warwick, how would you describe yourself? Mm, Great question. Uh, Well, first of all, I'm a five on the Enneagram, so (laughs) it could take me years to actually describe myself (laughs) because I will panic. But (laughs) um, yeah, I actually uh, just got this question the other day. Uh, from someone as well. And it's taken a long time to get to this point. Uh, but when it comes to like how I kind of categorize the different identities that I hold, um, you know, I grew up charismatic evangelical. I have a very high pedigree when it comes to <laughs> the evangelical church. Mm. Um, didn't even realize that until I like looked back at my history. But for a long time, first thing I identified as was a Christian because that's what we're taught, um, that that transcends basically every other identifier, every other thing um, about you. And today, if I'm asked, like the first thing I identify as is black, because I didn't, I didn't choose to be black. Um, it's just who I am. <laughs> um, yeah. That's not something that I get to walk away from. Um, that is something that is actively influencing the way that I interact with the world, um, basically at all times. And, um, so yeah, I am black. I am queer, um, specifically somewhere on the pansexual, uh, spectrum. Mm -hmm. And currently I don't ascribe to a specific faith tradition. We can we can hash this out later, but came out of like the <laughs> the evangelical church. Um, I've been exploring more ancestral practices. Um, mm. I've yeah. So I did a, a DNA test a while back, as everyone likes to do, you know. And uh, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing my best to like 
trace my ancestry and kind of just open myself up to, you know, what would my ancestors have been practicing? What would they have been believing when they were brought over um, on mm. slave ships? And um, so, yeah, I think that that's something that doesn't really, it's not even in pop culture very much. It's like you don't hear about African religion or spirituality very often in mainstream. And so, yeah, that's something that I've been connecting with, which has been really cool. That's um, super cool. Yeah. I'm also a musician, um, a singer, songwriter, producer. So that's a huge um, aspect of my life. And You uh, are indeed <laughs> dropping fire. <laughs> you know, you are too. You are, you are too. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to get into like the role music played in your life like a little bit later, but I really want to dive into like the African spirituality because you're right it that hasn't been something that's like talked about in mainstream it's not explored too much and just like a lot of things like there are some roots back to like black spirituality of the mm. things that we we experience and do every single day what are some of the things that you've discovered or found or started to implement in your like your I mean, own individual faith tradition now yeah uh i don't know if it's okay to like kind of start uh at what decolonizing has looked like in that process. Um, mm, I, won't, mm. I won't go into it too heavily, but I think at the beginning, it was really important to me to kind of take a step back from my faith tradition and be like, okay, what, what do I actually genuinely feel is true and what has been conditioned in me basically from the moment I was born? And... In doing that, you know, just realized how much of a part slavery has played in the spread of Christianity. And it's not like mm. that's new information, but once I actually started to internalize that, that like, oh, my faith tradition uh, is one of conquering and oppression, um, mm. that kind of led me to kind of take a step back into my quote unquote roots. And so, yeah, I've traced um, a lot of my African DNA to Nigeria, which is like pretty common, um, and the, mm. Yoruba, the Yoruba people. But uh, yeah, so I just like, I, I studied cultural anthropology, so like it's already in me to want to know like literally everything about everything. So yeah. <laughs> I just went on like the <laughs> black hole, got my weed, got my, my computer, yeah. and was just like, yeah. I love it. Um, <laughs> I've got some books on the way on African spirituality. Um, mm. So, sorry, I got to take a step back. But part no, of this whole ahead, process for me was um, my relationship with, like my personal relationship with the Holy Spirit or God, um, which is something that I've felt has been consistent throughout my life, regardless of whatever teaching I'm under or ministry I'm in. I'm like, I've always had a very personal just knowing like deep in me of God and mm. I'm, I've been open to I'm like God could look different than the way that he's been presented to me. Um, mm -hmm. But so I started to examine, I'm like, okay, <clears throat> so this, this spirit, this voice, this whatever that I still feel, it's possible that it's not, uh, it doesn't belong to Christianity specifically mm. that mm -hmm. it's also present in, other forms of spirituality, other cultures. And so um, kind of started looking into the African pantheon and uh, practices and just saw a really holistic 
way of life in it. And um, yeah, I've, I've had like tiny little experiences here and there, like nothing where I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm in this now. But um, just like in the opening myself up to it, I've experienced a much more rich, I think, spiritual practice uh, than mm. I'd had before. As I've had my own deconstructive process, like I too, you mentioned earlier that you don't necessarily subscribe to like Christianity, that Christian faith necessarily. And I would, I would say that similarly, yes, um, for myself, I think as I've decolonized and deconstructed what that means, I think one, it's been scary for Lens because like she's going through her own deconstructive process, but also too, for me, like there's been this picture, you know, painted for me and, and basically been, I have been told that this is, this is what this is. Like, this is how it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And anytime I like questioned it, it was very like beaten out of me. Um, not, not physically, but like you, you understand what I'm saying. Uh-huh. Like the beaten out of you, just like shamed out of <clears> you, like doubt is shamed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> shamed out of you, all these different things. And so, um, in my own process, I've looked at that and been wanting to dive deeper into kind of like the roots and, and figuring out kind of like what my people believed, how they interacted not only with like the spirit, the great beyond, the mm-hmm. the other, um, but also the earth, like mother earth, examining yeah. like intertwining relationship between all of creation. So no, that's really, it's really interesting. We got to talk more about that when I dive <clears throat> deeper into it. I don't, oh gosh, I can't yeah. really speak to it right now. So I mean, I can only speak very little because okay. <laughs> that, that's the other thing is I'm like, I'm not about to appropriate or incorporate something that I don't understand mm-hmm. just because like I feel an affinity to it. I'm like, this is something that I, I deeply care about. And so I want to make sure that I'm doing right by it, you know, cause mm. you know, that's a good point. <laughs> if, if these are like real spiritual realities that we're dealing with, then at a very basic level, it's like, yeah, let's not mess with shit that we don't understand. <laughs> But, um. I, I'm just gonna go down this rabbit hole with you. I, so, because I think that I think that that happens a lot, even in Christendom, right? Of like, sure. oh, this is cool. This like cool spiritual discipline, and then it's just like taken up. But there's no like real articulation of the, that even that tradition or whatever it is. I don't, I don't know. Totally. I don't know. Yeah. yeah uh, let's just say meditation, because like there is some deep grounding that that needs to take place instead of just like sitting there and doing a journal entry and just like sitting in silence for like two minutes. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's cool. But like uh, meditation is like this deep intentional practice that like yeah. takes years and years and years and years to like get to a place where you you are so deeply connected. Um, I, I think similarly with like even <clears throat> as we're exploring other faith traditions, like mm-hmm. having a deep understanding for me is like incredibly important that I understand what I'm actually practicing. Yeah. That's yeah. actually I just one more little rabbit trail Go ahead, there. Go ahead. But I think that's something that I find interesting actually about Christianity because on one hand, like one of the positives to it is that theoretically anyone from any creed, race, gender, um, I say sexuality. Some other people would disagree. No, let's go ahead and uh, add sexuality. That's but yeah, what can, do. <laughs> uh, can participate because at, at its core, like it's about a man named Jesus and Mm -hmm. relationship with that man, with God. And so, you know, on a surface level, it should be very easy to participate in that religion. Um, Mm. On the other hand, the easiness of that transition also makes it, 
I think it's caused a lot of people to lose the intricacies, the tradition, the uh, some of the horrors and atrocities of the religion um, because mm-hmm. anyone can just claim Jesus and go on their merry way. And so like with something like uh, African tradition or really actually just a lot of other different religions, there's processes, there's rituals, there's uh, ancestor veneration. There's like a lot of elements that contribute and you can't, you can't just be like ocean. Who's like one of the Orishas. Uh, I love you. <laughs> like yeah. come into my heart. Like, yeah, that's like, that's just not how, how it works. You have to actually understand, um, what it is you're doing. As you're talking, I just thought about like how, so I want to, let's get really specific because I, mm-hmm. I think, um, I think generalizing like all Christians are, are like this or all faith traditions within Christianity. Cause there's like sub, um, sub levels to this. Right. But I think very specifically within the American church, because mm-hmm. of hypercapitalism, because of, you know, ethnocentrism or even, even like hyper nationalism and Christian nationalism, that like there is this fast pace, like you need to get this and this is how you do it because we do it right because America's the best mm-hmm. kind of mentality when it approaches even like faith, which do, again, doesn't leave room for doubt or doesn't leave room for questioning or tweaking or even critique, you know? And especially we're looking at like from January 6th, I mean, it's February 25th when we're recording this, but like yeah. I've just started to see some stuff about like some pastors that I still follow because I still have a little bit of respect for them of saying like we denounce Christian like Christian nationalism and it's just like it's been a long time like they win the ketchup award you know what I'm saying of like mm-hmm. this is I think black folks um, and minority groups have been saying this for the longest time that there has been this lack of understanding of what cr- being a Christian is what the Christian faith actually is and it takes a deep intentional work yeah outside of just like this theologian mind but also mm-hmm. like a combination of like mind body and spirit right yeah um moving outside of like just you know obviously we spend a ton of ton of time on on faith and we're going to continue to talk about that but i'm curious about like the role you mentioned that you're a musician what what role has music played um in your life Mm, uh, great question um i mean it's been a foundational piece of my life for as long as i can remember um my mom was uh, basically like a concert level pianist uh, mm. growing up and also an amazing singer. So like I grew up with music in the house all the time. Wow. Uh, granted, a lot of it was like worship music, but okay. uh, <laughs> you know, it's a start. <laughs> it's a start. It's something. Uh, there were some bops back in the day. Yeah, um, you know. Yeah. So I, I was just like singing from you know, the time that I learned how, I guess. And it wasn't until actually, like, high school that I started seriously embracing it. Um, kind of got this grit at one point. Because, <laughs> this sounds so petty, but I wasn't being noticed by my choir teacher. And so <laughs> I, like, got really determined. I was like, I'm going to make my choir teacher notice me. Mm. And that was kind of the first time that, yeah, that I – that my confidence, I guess, met music. And from that point forward, I realized that, like, it was something that I wanted to do and started producing, like, junior year of high school. And fast forward all the way to today, you know, just been doing that. And um, I think that 
music has always definitely it's definitely been like a, a coping uh mechanism at times um mm. and, and i would say a healthy one because something that i i really love is like instrumental or uh <laughs> what's hilarious about this is is probably like the least black thing is like <laughs> like house music right like just yeah. the steady like bass and the beat I got a podcast I could send you that house music was started by black people. So, hundred percent, hundred percent. And some people know that. Not everyone yeah. knows that. But yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so something about it is like very soothing. And actually, I've I've had moments that are very similar to meditation because mm. of of music like that. And because my mind is always like running at top speed. Um, mm music has been a place where I feel like I can kind of just be and like let all of those things uh, kind of fade into the background. It's, I've had incredible uh, spiritual encounters um, to music most of my life, not even Christian songs, actually most of the time it's uh, other things, but mm. yeah. No, that's amazing. Yeah. Was it middle school or junior year of high school that you said that, that like, this is, this is, uh, <laughs> this, this is, is something that I'm, I, I want to do. Uh, yeah. Junior year of high school. Yeah, I, in middle school, I was I was a brat because my choir teacher would try and get me to sing, and I just wouldn't. I, <laughs> I didn't want to. I didn't want to do anything that people told me to do. That's hilarious. That's so funny. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. For music, you mentioned that that has been like a coping mechanism. Tell me, tell me more about that. I'm really curious. I mean, <laughs> it's funny because when I said that, like I instantly pictured like – an angsty uh, picture on Facebook that's like music is my coping mechanism or oh something like that, you know, from like 2006 <laughs> yeah. emo, that yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I've definitely like, I've had some traumatic experiences in my life. I think most people have, there are certain songs or certain artists that uh, every time I listen to them, not only do I feel like known, I feel supported and encouraged and hopeful uh, through mm. that music. And it, it does really help uh, my mental state. Yeah. That's, that's great. Who's, who's some of your go-to artists? No, oh, no, I knew you were going to ask that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I know for like a musician or people that care about music, like I, same thing. It just, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I feel the same, same pain when somebody asks. I, don't, I wouldn't be able to tell you. Totally, so totally. I, if you, you answer that question yeah, however yeah. you want. How about that? Okay. Well, there's one song that I have to mention only because it really has played a huge role in my life. I literally have a tattoo of the lyrics, which is, oh my gosh, that's so e-girl to do. <laughs> uh, but there's an artist named Amanda Cook. Uh, she used to be with Bethel. Um, mm. And she's always kind of been on... I would consider like the fringe of the evangelical charismatic movement. She's a lot more poetic, a lot more willing to listen and just, yeah. But uh, she writes incredibly, incredible songs. And there's a song yeah, she's called, an incredible writer. Yeah. There's yeah. a song called the voyage and it's really all about kind of like setting off into the unknown, but also being sure that like God is going to be with you no matter where you end up. And that song was really pivotal in my coming out process, it was really pivotal mm. um, in me leaving the church. Um, it's It's been pivotal in several moments of my life 
yeah, so that's definitely one that I come back to. Um, nice. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's see. John Bellion uh, is someone that is most good. people that know me know that I'm obsessed. So that's <laughs> no secret. Um, just a freaking phenomenal songwriter. He can rap. He can sing. Mm-hmm. He can do it all. It's not fair. And he plays. He plays so much with his producing. It's it's like yeah. fun. But then he'll talk about something so heavy in like mm-hmm. the lyrics. It's it's really good. He's he's good. Yeah. Yeah. He's awesome. I think something that I admire about him also is that he has stayed off of social media. He does not try mm. to <laughs> entertain people really. Uh, he's very private about his life um, and his family and. Like literally to this day, no one knows if he's married and it's an ongoing debate and we don't know. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> and I just think I really respect that. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Uh, I just want to know. It's just funny. There's some people are going to be annoyed by this, but like what helped in your coming out was like a Christian artist. Oh, well, she used to be. I don't know. She's still is formally known as. But yes, like, yes. I it's just I think she's doing it's stuff just uh, I just so, yeah. yeah. So I, I just want to point that out, you know. Awesome. All right. Um, so you already said it, but you don't go to church anymore. Um, why? That is correct. Um, so it's not that I'm not open to church at this point. Um, there's a few reasons, though. I mean, we went to the same church for we did. That's everyone we that's listening. You know, that's a whole that's a whole thing. But yeah, met in the worship team. Yes. Mm, yeah. Mm. We sang only William Matthews. <laughs> Damn, damn, damn. I'm like, go, we are not gospel singers. Like, we can put a little soul in there, but like, we're not gospel singers. Literally, and... not even gospel. <laughs> none, neither one of us are gospel singers. Nope. Neither nope. one of us. Uh, and I was like, I wish, I really wish I could sing gospel. Same. I cannot. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Not my range. Not my range. The amount of times, man. But uh, yeah, okay. So yeah, left my church for multiple reasons. Um, at the forefront was um, issues of race and just an unwillingness to be anti-racist and to do the work and then second i was like i'm not going to put myself in any faith community where i can't fully be myself and where other people can't fully be themselves i've just seen there's just a lot of fakeness and that's nothing new per se but yeah um yeah and i realized like i hadn't been this is the first time really in my life that I haven't been part of a church. And so, hmm. um, you know, 26. And so I'm like, it's, it's about time that I just gave it a break and, and see how I feel. And I was kind of expecting to like go <laughs> like all the way to atheism. Like I, I was just like <laughs> thought that the fall was just never going to stop until I hit the bottom, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I found that in my absence, like there's been a, immense fluctuation um Mm. a while back um i i was actually meditating and talking to god and something came to mind and i felt like it was from god which is basically that spirituality is like breathing and um sometimes it's an inhale and sometimes it's an exhale it's not a static thing and Mm. so when I was thinking even in regard to my own spirituality and my own spiritual beliefs I'm like yeah it's okay that it's not always the same it doesn't always have to be the same there are moments that I inhale and there are moments that I exhale Mm. um and that's kind of been the process for me I somehow still respond 
on a very visceral level to some worship music when I hear it playing. Um, and I'm like, I don't know how this is the case. I've done every bad thing according to <laughs> Christianity. <laughs> I like, I should not, I should not be feeling this, but I do. Uh, I'm open to, to church, but again, I, I won't attend a church that is not fully affirming of all people and fully accepting. Um, I don't, it's not fully affirming to allow LGBT people into the church, but not allow mm-hmm. them to serve because we have the same, if we are operating under the assumption that we have the same Holy spirit in all of us and not like, it doesn't make sense. So mm-hmm. <laughs> but, no, it makes sense to me. Yeah. Is there anything that you miss about, about church? church? Like God? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, on a basic level, like if we take like truth out of the conversation, like church meets a social need, a very fundamental social need. Um, Mm -hmm. You see people every week. And I mean, I know that our experiences being seen in church are a little bit varied, but like there are people, you know, that you're in relationship with and there's a structure to it. Um, And so I definitely miss that. I miss seeing people. I miss the feeling of being part of something. Um, Mm. But I've also learned to not crave it as much because I know that something isn't always better than nothing. And Mm. um, yeah, but I definitely miss people. I miss singing. I really miss singing. (laughs) I just realized that like, dude, like worship church is such a built-in way of singing and I'm very mm-hmm. out of practice now. I'm like, Oh yeah. my God. But, uh, <laughs> you're telling me, man, it's been almost two years. So something that's very typical for me is like, I will just sing just every, everything. And yeah. just like worship songs when I'm frustrated, stressed out, whatever, I'll just start singing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't done that in like two years. And like, I just recently started singing yeah. those songs again. I feel that just like very recently. And, I'm just like, oh, wow, it's been a minute. Like, these songs came to mind, but it's just like, but first of all, I'm way out of practice. Like, (laughs) when they say it's a freaking, it's, you got to practice that thing. But yeah, I think it's, oh, God, I I miss it too. Like, the, even the setup and tear down, just like the (laughs) singing randomly that you do when you're like rapping chords or whatever, and then people start harmonizing with you, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Just like, the spontaneity of all of it, just being around musicians all the time. It's just, yeah, yeah. that's the only place besides like university choir that, you know, I had that. And it's hard to find a place where you can just like, yo, do you want to, do you want to jam? Like, let's go jam. It is. You don't do that. Yeah. Like, unless you're a musician, obviously, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's true. There is something special and something to be said about, you know, the function of that kind of community. Um, it really can be beneficial. And I think when it's operating in a healthy way, it is a good thing. Um, mm. So I definitely miss those times. I don't miss having to go to Chick-fil-A after every worship event because <laughs> all these white-ass people think Chick-fil-A is good. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, nope. Chick-fil-A is a big all right it's like it's all not right. even that's generous that is so <laughs> generous i could go i could never eat chick-fil-a in my life and be perfectly happy but uh i forget about chick-fil-a if people didn't good. if people didn't mention it like i i would th- i would forget about it as a restaurant that's <laughs> <laughs> like legit uh-huh yeah yeah oh my gosh where would you rather where would you rather eat anywhere <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I'm, hold on. Chicken sandwich or like any chicken. Where would you go? Literally. I mean, okay. I mean, I think Popeye's is honestly at the top of my list because okay. they're uh, fried chicken. They're like the recipe that they have is just so good. So juicy. Whatever they season. Is so just, crispy. Yeah. Yep. Um, but like Raising Cane's is great. Uh, mm. There's just a bunch. Uh, we have a few new fried chicken spots, but like any chicken to me is better like even getting chicken strips at like a red robin is better than chick-fil-a to me and i know I was that's not expecting so much shade for chick-fil-a i'm sorry no you don't have to apologize to me i mean if i start getting emails and bad reviews this dude spent 45 minutes talking about chick-fil-a Bro, every uh, time I like get asked to hang out like by people that I used to go to church with, it's like, yeah, we could go to Chick Fil A, and I'm like, yeah, for no, sure. I mean, there's or we five other places I can name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh my gosh, that is so funny. Sorry, Chick Fil A. I'm sure. Oh, gosh, do you still hang out with folks that still go to church like consistently? Um, so, I mean, yes and no. I, I guess so. I, I was fully prepared when I left that I may lose all of my relationships. I, I just kind of had to accept that possibility. Mm. Um, and for a while, it was it was pretty tough. Um, mm. Some relationships have kind of like reforged, uh, which I wasn't expecting. Okay. Um, so, yeah, there are people that I still see maybe like once a month. Um mm. And then there's also a group of people that have also <laughs> been going through deconstruction. So many people I've talked to are mm. actually on the downward spiral. It's I get a a sick sense of satisfaction from it because I'm like, now you too. know. I did too. I'm now like, I was know. trying to tell you years ago, and now uh, all of a sudden, all right. Yeah. Catch up award. Catch up award. I'm gonna make yeah. that a thing. A catch up award. Shout out <laughs> Ashley. Exactly. She knows who she is. She's the one that gave that to me. Catch up award. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I've seen like some of those people and that's kind of nice because I'm like, I'm far along enough in my process that like I know exactly where they're at and mm-hmm. I can I, like I have a little bit of perspective. And so um, I'm thankful for that. And also just in the whole process, I'm like, I don't think I will ever be. Uh, I've gone through experiencing anger at the church Um mm. And every once in a while that comes back up. But ultimately, I'm like, I don't have ill will towards the church. I think that there is an ideal function, I guess. I don't know. So, yeah. So I'm like open to hanging out with people and maintaining relationship. I think the difference is now I'm not hiding at all. And mm, yeah. I don't feel judged i there <laughs> part of the whole process for me has also been breaking out of the dynamic of the authority figure um mm. which is so antithetical to most of what you're taught um in christianity which is all about honoring and respecting authority and i remember we had to read this fucking book by john bevere um <clears throat> god what was it called See, I can't even remember. I deleted it from my mind. But it was about Hilarious. respecting authority. And I, just the whole time I was reading it, I was like, this man is really going to be this tone deaf in this day and age talking to black people <laughs> about how they need to respect authority, authority and honor. Oof. And I'm like, fuck cops, dude. Like, Yeah, no, no. seriously. <laughs> and so 
kind of like in all of that, I'm like, yeah, I don't feel like even if I hang out with a former pastor, I'm like, I don't feel like I'm still their constituent. Like they have any power or say over my life. Um, Mm -hmm. And that sounds kind of harsh to people, but it's actually just a healthy boundary. And yeah, I mean, (laughs) it's funny because I didn't I didn't have that kind of respect when I was there. So I'm like, all right. But the the. It, it's funny that, like, when you say that, people, like, just like you said, like, people are just like, whoa, like, hey, man. I was like, first of, first of all, yeah, <laughs> you don't get it. Like, you're, you, you, you're, not under, you're not understanding. Like, for, for that role, like, they answer to somebody higher, but, like, mm-hmm. you, that whole structure, you're operating out of whiteness anyways. Like, for me to just have blind faith in this person and just, he's mm-hmm. supposed to, like, lead me like that, like, yeah. It, it, I don't know about that, like, and I was I was a pastor too. I I know I know that there's a level of like yeah. gravity that comes with that, but like where I failed most was like expecting people to just listen to me because I had a title. You know what sure. I'm saying? Like, yeah. you you can't just operate and function and do stuff like that. Like that's where we're in the situations we're in right now, mm-hmm. where we see multiple pastors, multiple big name folks, even in the evangelical world, committing uh, sexual harassment, sexual assault, rape, all these different things. Sorry, I should have put a trigger warning. But the but anyways, like there's all these things that are happening and like all these little flock don't know what to do and then they're also not speaking out or um yeah. holding these folks accountable. So yeah. not fam, like hold me to a high standard. That whole high standard is you actually like pushing back on the things that I say that are wrong, that I do yeah. wrong. So Yeah. Yeah. There's um we, we don't have to talk about this for too much longer, but there's a really yeah. good um I don't know if you know who Brandy Miller or Carlos Rodriguez at all. Um, oh, that, those names sound really familiar, but keep on going. Uh, Brandy Miller's like a, a queer female uh, theologian. Um, mm. Did not grow up in Christianity, which I find fascinating. Um, and then Carlos Rodriguez uh, is uh, Puerto Rican, I believe. Um, he used to be a pastor of like a megachurch, I think, in Tennessee. Could be wrong, but somewhere in the South. Um, so the podcast is actually called Reclaiming My Theology by Brandy Miller. And the name of that particular episode that Warwick is talking about is called From White Supremacy, Paternalism with Carlo A. Rodriguez. I included the link to that particular episode as well as the show itself in the show notes. Um, go check it out. Some really dope guests on that podcast. And it's a, there's a really interesting uh, episode on white patriarchy and especially how it's so prevalent in uh, religious circles and Mm. that there's this kind of expectation that, okay, this person's going to walk onto the stage, they're going to say something, and I'm going to receive it because they're on the stage. Mm -hmm. And there's just this assumption of like a knowledge gap between Mm. the pastor and whoever the pastor is preaching to. And sometimes it's like, yeah, they went to seminary, they may know more technical information, but... At the same time, it's uh, it's a weird dynamic, um, especially considering like what I said earlier. If everyone has access to the Holy Spirit and everyone can hear God, if everyone can receive, um, you know, divine revelation, then that model is a little bit weird. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, so that's something that I've considered and kind of breaking out of that mindset is like, oh, just because you're there because you have followers because you're the pastor of a mega church or whatever um that doesn't actually mean that i have to submit to your authority and exactly um, 
going back to something like it's, I, I was saying earlier is like that again goes back to how American Christianity is done because of hypercapitalism, because of like yeah, um, ethnocentrism, all these different things. That like there is this idea that like if I become a pastor, I have authority, like mm-hmm. I have power, I have you know I have sway, mm-hmm. and that's why we have so many pastors. Like it's an incredible amount of pastors. It's like yeah. we don't need this many pastors. Like if like we don't we don't need we don't need this many. There's it's an incredible amount. So yeah. many people going off and, and becoming pastors, and I'm like, like that's what you want to do for the rest of your life, for real. Like that's what you want to do. But I, I think they make it it's so accessible that people can like quote unquote do it. But again, it's happening so fast that we have a bunch of people making Yeah. Also you know, like profiting off of churches. Let's talk about privilege in that because yes. you see so many white Bible students studying to become pastors that are studying mm-hmm. at maybe a Christian liberal arts university, going to seminary, and like that and it's and you don't see that happen with very many black people. Yep. And even in that, there is a, such a discrepancy in the amount of privilege and wealth and opportunity um, to actually pursue that. And that's why yep. you just keep seeing like the same pastors turned out over and over again. And this is no offense to pastors, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, we really don't need more of that. We need a diverse yeah. uh, collection of voices. Um mm. About that that actually could be a separate podcast too. Oh Anyways, my God. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I found the co-host. All right. So um, what does faith mean to you? Oh gosh. Uh, that's a, yeah. Faith is something that I've been kind of examining also because at times I think it's just a cruel cosmic joke um, that there's a reality that might be real that we can't prove. And the only way that you can participate in it is to suspend your disbelief and have faith. And um, I think it is kind of a logical mind fuck. <laughs> uh, yeah, all of it. <laughs> and um, yeah, so honestly, I think it's something that I'm definitely still um, wrestling with and exploring. I don't know something this is maybe not distinctly tied, but I think in that process, a lot of what's been helpful is reclaiming myself and realizing like I don't belong to anyone. And, um, even like (laughs) there's a, there's a kind of a, a common thing in evangelical culture, which is like, I belong to God or like, um, yeah, we sing a lot of songs. I belong to you. Um, things like that. And I started, I started saying to myself, like, I am my own, I belong to myself and Mm. I have choice in what I give myself to, if I choose to give myself to something. Mm. And Mm. that's been incredibly liberating, like in my faith process, um, because I don't feel trapped or bound to something. It's like, I actually am in control of Mm. what I choose and what I believe. I mean, I guess faith is a choice, but I don't consider it a le- like a binding contract, which is, I think, kind of how it's been presented. Yeah. No, tell, tell me more about that, like a binding contract. I, I like that take is what I'm saying. Mm. <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on that, if you've thought more yeah. deeply on that. Well, I think something that's always confused me is like the one unforgivable sin, according to uh I don't know, our interpretation of scripture is 
uh, unbelief or slandering the Holy Spirit. And But the thing about that for me is also like, but as soon as you choose to believe again, then like, you're good, right? Like, mm. <laughs> you... So it's really not an unforgivable sin, which kind of then begs the question. It's like, what's the point in the first place? I don't know. That's I'm getting on a tangent. This is like pretty commonly known, I guess, of religious control, that religion seeks to control the population in some way. Um, it may not mm. be as uh, like blatant. It, it can be in subtle ways. There's a lot of emotional and spiritual manipulation, um, especially in the evangelical church. Like, um, I think even evangelicals would hopefully be able to admit that. Um, yep. And I think so much of that relationship is fear-based um, that if I don't do this or if I don't, or if I do this, then I will be excommunicated or I will go to hell or this, that, and the other is going to happen. Um, and that creates like, such a construct in our minds with how we interact with the world, um, why we're not willing to help some people, why we're so passionate about other things. And um, I think that once I kind of started to like break away from that binding mentality, um, that I just felt a lot more free to <laughs> kind of just like be a good person I, I don't know like that that sounds weird yeah. but i'm like yeah i don't need the construct of evangelicalism to help this homeless person for example mm-hmm. um and yeah. or to fight for injustice i'm like i i feel the freedom to like be pro-life if i want to but not because like i'm in evangelicalism you know, um, I'm mm. definitely pro-choice, but, uh, <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. you know <laughs> it, it's just, like, <laughs> uh, there are certain things that I think, and something that I heard all the time, especially at Biola, was just like, Christianity is unique for this reason, because we do this, because it's the only religion that forgives or whatever. And I'm just like, that's such bullshit. Like, do you actually believe that? Yeah, it's not like, true. Come on. <laughs> and like stepping away from it, I'm like, oh, I'm not all of a sudden just like a terrible person. I'm like, I still mm-hmm. have a pretty, like a very strong moral center. There are things that I think are right. There are things that I think are absolutely evil morally reprehensible um i don't think that that's like distinctly because of christianity well that's another conversation but you know you you get my point you get my point so i get you i get you um yeah 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 and and uh the thing with like so going back to the whole binding idea um it kind of goes back to I choose what I give myself to and I choose um, if I'm going to submit to an authority, like that's my choice. Um, That's not going to be forced on me. And yeah, yeah, so much of evangelicalism has felt like that. Um, Like I have to do this uh, to please someone else. And uh, that's a, a very strange mindset especially when that person you've never actually met. <laughs> yes. That's, yes. 
yeah, the thing that struck me the most when you're saying that is like feeling obligated to, feeling obligated to, well, essentially what I got from what, a part of what you said was like feeling obligated to have like this moral compass or this these moral beliefs or to do right or to do justice because of the faith that I have. And I'm wondering, just maybe, besides white supremacy, but like is that how Amer- American evangelicalism is operating? That like this transact, because what you just described is a transactional faith. It's not like deep rooted, like it's not a belief. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm doing this because like I need to get into heaven. I need a ticket right. to heaven. So yeah, that just that just I've and, never heard it structured that way, or it's been a while since I've heard it that that laid out that way. Well, and here's the thing that I want to say to that is that like um, religion being transactional is not actually like a a foreign mm-hmm. concept. Like most religious uh, experiences involve a form of I do this so that this mm-hmm. happens or whatever. Uh, the thing that makes that toxic in Christianity specifically is that you have this one side that is very transactional, but then you also have this other side that is constantly telling you it's all about relationship, Mm -hmm. that it's all about you and Jesus. Um, So then you're like, okay, it's about me and Jesus. But then all of a sudden they're like, oh no, you can't do that. You have to do this because if you were in right relationship with Jesus, you wouldn't be doing Mm -hmm. those things because that's their assumption. That's their worldview on what it means to follow Jesus. And so I'm like, the danger to me isn't the trans necessarily the transactional nature. It's this cognitive dissonance that is always being pushed at people. And so I'm like, no wonder people are having mental breakdowns in church. I had so yeah. many mental breakdowns on, I had several on stage in the middle of worship where I had to like walk mm, off mm. because I was just like, like tears. And I'm like, I cannot stop. I don't know what's yeah. happening. The cognitive dis that's the part that got me, the cognitive dissonance there. Just like this, <laughs> oof, I just had a, yeah, you just gave me an aha moment. I'm going to have to sit in that for a little while. Like, because the fact <laughs> is, the fact of like, my, so it's my relationship with Jesus. It's my relationship, but you're telling me what my relationship needs to look like, but it's my relationship. Mm-hmm. That sounds like that friend right. that, that always has something to say about like you and your partner, like it always has something to say, but they, but they, but yeah. they ain't in a relationship. Like, but you always got something to say about mine. Like, that, mm-hmm. that, 100%. that just get out, get out, get out of here. No, oh, oh, all right, yeah. I'm gonna sit with that for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how has your faith and identity interacted together in recent years? I will try and keep this as uh, the least tangential that I can. Uh, <laughs> So I think, so the major parts of my identity that I would say, like, I've been processing in the last, uh, I'm just going to say five years, uh, have been uh, sexual orientation um, Mm -hmm. and my race. I think those are probably the two biggest things. Um, And I mentioned earlier, growing up, like, grew up in a very Christian household, grew up in the Bible Belt. Like, I I was very immersed in Christian culture, but... Um, my mom, and I got to thank my mom for this, like was not that kind of person. Um, she's always mm. been, uh, just so like free and open to things. Um, her encounter with, uh, God at an early age was devoid of influence from other people. Like she mm. actually had a very spiritual encounter in which she encountered God. Um, and then it was after that, that you know, she started going to church and all of those things. So um, that kind of, I think, 
was passed down to me. Um, so like, even though I was raised in it, it was never like a slap on the hand kind of thing growing up. That's yeah. something that came later on through church. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Um, so yeah, so like in my adult life, I've been kind of trying to nail down like the core of what I grew up with. Like, okay, what were those experiences that I had as a child that I can't explain away? They could totally be in my head um, or there's a spiritual reality. And I am prone to think that there's a spiritual reality. Um, it's just very hard for me to not think that. And um, as I got older, obviously, you know, uh, wrestling with sexuality um for a long time it was a a really painful struggle and i did a lot of just dismissal of it to begin mm. with i remember the first <laughs> i remember just like the first time like looking up pictures of chris evans pecs on our old computer <laughs> and <laughs> yeah that's embarrassing but oh well uh and you know, kind of being like, oh, okay, like, this is doing something for me. Yeah. Uh, yep. <laughs> and um, there was, like, a lot of back and forth for years and kind of just, like, I was very aware of, like, spiritual realities or whatever. So, like, trying to, like, pray against those things. And, yeah, my mom was always really gracious in the process. Mm. She never shamed me for anything. Um, and so I had a very less like kind of coming out discovery experience i guess hmm. um but it really wasn't until college that it came to a head because uh yeah i remember having like this moment uh sophomore year in the off-campus apartments at biola in trade hmm. winds if you remember <laughs> uh but and I, yeah, I was just on the floor and I could not move. I was so depressed and just, mm. uh, yeah, just had this moment where I felt God say really clearly, like, how do you expect to feel my love if you won't love yourself, basically? Mm. And it was just a really simple thing, but I was just like, yeah, that makes sense. If I am created in the image of God, um, then... Like, I should love that image regardless of what it looks like. Um, and at that time, I also got a tenacity in me, which was, and I, I kind of made this oath, I guess, where I was like, I'm not going to let anyone take Jesus away from me, whether that mm. be the church or whether that be the world, mm. um, which is just a solidification of my experience being in the middle all of my life, <laughs> I swear. Like, I, I just always find myself between two worlds um yeah i i mean i read all of the the clobber passages like i i was very well aware of the arguments against uh homosexuality and those things but i also knew uh there's there's a verse in the bible that says like i know who i've believed and that's kind of something that i stuck to it was like no i know mm the encounters that I had as a child were real. And I know that the God that I serve and that I love could get, could care less <laughs> yeah. or he cares so much, you know, that like, mm -hmm. of course, like this wouldn't separate me from his love. Like that's so, that's so weird. 
That's such mm-hmm. a weird idea. And it's so, super. It's super weird. It's yeah. so weird. When you stop and think about it, it's like, really? Like, that's, that's, yeah. that's it? Like, yeah. universe. Like, all of the crazy things in the universe. And, like, that's, that's the thing that, mm. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. So, like, I knew in my heart for a while um, that, you know, who I was wasn't in conflict with who God was. Um, which already put me outside of orthodoxy. (laughs) Uh, And so like in my church experience, you know, I I presented as one way um, for a long time. Like I wasn't, I didn't hide anything. I remember my first interview with our worship pastor um, Mm -hmm. and was just very open, like about my whole process. And they were like, okay, cool. And, you know, that, with that was like a little bit of bypassing because it never came up in conversations in like the four years that I was there, uh, yep. which just kind of meant that it's like, it's fine as long as, you know, yep. we're not talking about it or doing anything. And so, yeah. So yeah. And in that whole process, like it worked for a time until it didn't. Yes, uh, exactly. And so I'm very grateful to be where I am now. Um, and race. I mean, I've never doubted that God (laughs) would love me because of my race. I think the thing with race and faith has been specifically like, oh, do I actually believe all of these things because these were colonizers that forced this onto my people um, Mm. hundreds of years ago. And so I think race is kind of, deconstructed even the whole framework of Christianity for me. And Mm. I know that there's like a big movement among black Christians to kind of reclaim the gospel, reclaim those things. And um, that's been really good to see because sometimes I'm just like, I just want to throw it all away. Like, fuck it all. Like none of it is good. And, but then I see people that are doing work and I'm like, okay, actually like, let me slow down. Let me look at this. Let me, uh, um, be gracious towards people's processes. And mm. uh, that's been really affirming. And I feel like I'm able to now incorporate different aspects of spirituality, whether that be from Buddhism or um, like folk religion or Christianity or even Catholicism. I find aspects of the, um, like the symbols um, and the liturgy in Catholicism to be really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um so I just feel very, like, I feel like I have a much more holistic uh, spirituality at this point. So, Okay. I don't have any other follow-up questions. This, was, this <laughs> has been fun. I, I tell you, this has, been a fun, this has been a fun conversation. I really do appreciate you yeah, man. hopping on and, and, and uh, sharing so much. I really appreciate that. Thanks, man. Like I mentioned, you know, at the top of the show, like, faith deconstruction can be so hard and so difficult and lonely. Um, and isolating and I think after you leave the church there's like a missing part of you to some extent right and there's some folks that like kind of think you go off on the deep end and you do lose a lot of like friendships and relationships and it's just like it's just such a weird time and and the thing is is like one of the things and I, I said this again is one of the things I appreciated most about this conversation with Warwick was his honesty and sureness about who he is. And it's obviously it's taken some time, um, but I so appreciate him like sharing that with all of us. 
I highly encourage you to go check out his music wherever you listen to your jams. Bed Ain't Big Enough is one of my current bops of his right now. I'm serious. I've played that on repeat all week. Um, you can find Warwick, a.k.a. St. War, on socials at St. War Music. I also included a link to his IG and his Spotify in the show notes, so go check him out, y'all, and tell him I sent you. Like, literally comment on any picture you like and just say, RTWD sent me, and then tag me there, and then I'll show him some love, too. This podcast was produced by myself, Jonathan Dumas, additional production help by the incomparable Lindsay Dumas, with music by the oh-so-talented Mr. Tony Deras. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, and leave a review. It really, really helps folks discover the show. Till next time, y'all. Peace.